Welcome to the Attentive Heart Podcast, where we explore how an integration of mind, body, and spirit make us whole and enable us to become more compassionate to ourselves and to others. I'm your host, John Grabovich. I want to kind of understand a little bit about how you got to this point of being just so cognizant of knowing what works within your soul, so to speak, that allows a certain type of harmony uh, to to exist and what you do to kind of cultivate that harmony. Because I think this goes right to the heart of what I would like to kind of maybe unpack with you is just like your journey through this. I mean, you, you mentioned before about how when you were learning the artistic process, that was actually a way to you learning the vocational process as well, about who you mm. are, what you felt called to do, what you feel that it will bring you true joy, um, and also would uh, push you to sacrifice the most in order to achieve it too. So mm. may, maybe if you, if you want to kind of like walk us through that, like when did that really begin? Because I, I know that from your book, um, it happened pretty early in life and there's been a lot of twists and turns, but but there's an awareness yes. that, that this that this has to be addressed. Like, you, like you're just not going to be really fully human if you don't address this need to truly be the artist that you're meant to be, because that is your vocation. Yes. The story underneath this is that when I was in my mid-20s, I was extremely unhappy. I was living in London, um, and... I was introduced to somebody who mentored people and he was just, he just, you know, offered his time. And I saw the effect that he had on these people who introduced me and I saw that mm. it was good. But he had some, uh, effectively, what were a set of spiritual exercises. Mm -hmm. The way he piqued my interest, he said, if you inherited so much money that you never had to work again, what would you actually choose to do nine to five, five days a week? Mm -hmm. Forget about having to, it's not even what job would you do? What activity would you do? Sure. And I said, I think, I think paint. She said, well, that's what you're meant to do. Mm. So he said, okay, I can show you how to reach for that. You know, are you happy to take direction? And I was, I trusted him. And what he did was gave me a set of spiritual exercises, which are included in this, you know, I described them in this book, The Vision for You, which you referred to. Um, but it began right at the beginning with the daily routine. Now, remember, I was a cynical atheist at this time. You know, I just thought people who had faith just were stupid, basically, mm -hmm. deluded. And I took, you know, and anyone, anyone was happy because they had faith. They were even more stupid, you know, they just mm -hmm. didn't understand life, you know, like sure. I did. And so he didn't sell me at all on that this would be a way to faith or anything like that. He just said, This give you know, this work for me, this will give you a chance to to be an artist. But he asked me to uh, effectively, he offered me a sort of um Pascal's wager and mm -hmm. said, just imagine that there is a God, <laughs> mm -hmm. act as though he exists and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And so 
I, that day I started, I, I got on my knees, is what he told me, and asked God to look after me that day. He says, you don't have to believe God exists, but there's enough willingness just to take the action mm-hmm. to see how you feel. And he said, write a gratitude list every day. This is a, a bit of meditation. Write the things that are good in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think anything, you know, I wasn't grateful for anything. He had to write that list out for me, things like food and <laughs> I've got a bed, you know, a roof over my head, clothes to wear. He pointed out to me, I'm ahead of, you know, a significant proportion of the world's population. You don't know where the next meal is coming from. You know, sure. He said to me, I don't want to hear you complaining again. You've got what you need today. But he, and he had, he had a twinkle in his eyes. He had a way of making you laugh at yourself, you know, as he mm-hmm. did this. Mm-hmm. Um, but through these exercises, he effectively introduced me to a way of looking at the world around me, appreciating what is good, and looking out to the world rather than constantly looking in at myself and thinking, what's wrong with me and how can I do this? Mm-hmm. He also insisted that I got involved with service with others. He made me volunteer for something that had nothing to do with art or my vision or anything, it, just sacrificing time for others on an habitual basis. And he said, mm. this is about love and opening yourself up to love. And, and that, if you take acts, actions of love for people you don't know, then in many ways, you could argue that it's, uh, you know, it's, it's more powerful than loving those you do, shall we say, because right. if it's my wife or my mother or father, it's, it comes back to me because they're my relatives. Now I should, that's not saying I shouldn't be loving them, but what, it's, what he said is, if you give to people who are in no position to return to you, that will be a transforming principle. It's going to train you as a lover, and also, and that love and grace, if you like, will start to apply in every aspect of your life. So, what did you do? What did you do? What, what was your way of service? That... Well, I, I volunteered for people who had some alcohol and drug problems. Okay. And, and why? And why did you? Why did you pick that? Because the you know, family connections, yeah, okay. um, and then also he suggested this. Because so, I mean, I mean, I know that sometimes, so many times, I hear a lot of people who want to do some form of service to just to kind of get out of themselves. Yeah, and sometimes it can be like a little overwhelming because I think in our world today there are so many needs that it you would think that okay, well, it's easy to find something to do, but it seems to be the opposite that people just get paralyzed. So thinking, well, there's nothing I can do because the problems are too big. And, yeah. and and to just try to be like, well, just think of one thing that you maybe feel as if you can somehow do to walk with another person on wherever they are in their journey, let's just say. I mean, and and if you can just kind of hone in on that. I, it, it's, it's so, it's it seems like these little things are yeah. just like the, the things you got to really start to begin with because we just live in a world where everything is just so big and if you, and you, we just feel so little and rightfully so, cause we are kind of small in the whole cosmos, but uh, we're so close to just the person who's next to us, who yeah. in some way is going through something that we can at least accompany them with. What, well, I, if you put your finger on it, this is the thing that he stressed with me. He said, it must involve personal connection, personal mm-hmm. contact. And and not that I was in a position to do this, but, you know, doing good, it wouldn't have counted if I'd been dispersing money from the Bill Gates fortune or something. Right, right, right. It's right. actually dealing with people 
and it's is uh, he would you know the way he put it to me he said if, if you go to this group and then you're you just say hello you know how are you nice to see you mm-hmm. that kind word might be enough to encourage them to come back a second time you can save a life through a simple act of love you sure. but you'll never know it very often you just won't know yeah um, i i really believe that i i think it's so it, it's just these intentional small actions that yeah. can go miles and miles and you won't know at all but that's yeah, okay yeah. right um okay so so what happened next i mean and by the way like this whole idea of like getting on your knees and praying to something you don't believe in i mean why why did you do it because i'm sure if people who are listening to this who you know don't believe in god it'll be the thinking like like why would i do that yeah so he told me that he did ask me if i was at least willing to believe Mm-hmm. in some sort of he used the phrase power greater than myself which okay. you know this is a familiar phrase nowadays in yeah you know higher power or something like that. but he, he just asked me if i was willing to believe in this because he said look you don't want me help helping you I, you need something that's outside of you and greater than you mm-hmm. um, and i'm telling you that when you look at your friends who you've seen change and you look at me that what we have has come from doing this Mm-hmm. So just, you know, are you willing to believe that this might work for you too? Mm-hmm. And what he said was, if you're just, you don't have to believe any, have any greater conviction than to give it a try. You don't have to do it publicly. You don't have mm-hmm. to acknowledge to anybody. You don't have to come to the front and bear witness and, you know, tell everybody you've done it. Mm-hmm. Just in the privacy of, you know, of your own home, mm-hmm. uh, to, humble yourself before what possibly might exist and what what he did do he's he had a funny way of putting it he said try this for 30 days and if you don't like it we'll return your misery with interest <laughs> this guy yeah, was a character yeah. suck it and see, you know? right 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 so i mean i guess that says a lot right i mean you clearly feel as if you weren't really living your best life or you oh, weren't yeah. fully happy. So I guess you had nothing to lose, right? In trying this, right? I mean, was that yeah. where you felt where yes. things were? I mean, I think there's a lot of people who today, I think, feel as if they are living their best life or they feel as if there's nothing more I can really strive for because I have everything. I mean, I think there are some people like that. So is there is it possible to ever be content thinking that like hey i i've maxed out i don't need anything more so why should i try to discern even more about what i could be doing with my life is is there ever a point that you think like oh you know this is it there's nothing more i i, I want or need or well i i don't all, i can only point to my own experience and that's you know, fine course, like, like everyone i tend to yeah. assume everybody's like me which may not be the case <laughs> But um, but all I would say is it, I don't, there's a, a Queen song. I, 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 this is a, this for the, for the youngsters. This is a rock band from the past. <laughs> but um, the, the, where the, the the main the main chorus is I want it all. I want it all, and I want it now. Uh, I know it's a great song. It's <laughs> a great song. I love and it. That's kind of how I am. It doesn't matter how good things are going. I always want you know double it and treble it and right. Um, you know and. The satisfaction, and this is part of my despair, actually, the satisfaction, in many ways I was privileged, I, I was, you know, but I still found plenty of things that I couldn't get, 
Mm -hmm. um, I knew that I, you know, had opportunity at the very least beyond what most people could dream of. Mm -hmm. I knew that at 26 and it just didn't seem to mean anything to me. And what I would say, though, is that if somebody's happy and they really are utterly content, I mean, the only way I can imagine that is in full union with God. I always think there's a little bit of dissatisfaction, but somebody really is happy, then they're probably not going to want to do this because they don't need it. But wonder how many people are like that. And certainly it's not it, it isn't dependent upon having everything you want materially. And that's one thing I know for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that it's there may be a lot of people saying, you know, I'm content, I'm happy, I don't need anything else. And I think underneath that may actually be almost like another voice that's saying, you know, I don't want to be disappointed if I go further along and try to strive for something or try to get something and then I don't get it. So therefore, why should I run the risk of putting myself out there? Like, there's this big thing right now with Gen Z that values safety as like one of the highest virtues, which is in a certain sense, the complete antithesis of creativity. Mm, uh, yeah, in is. that like, you know, um, it's better to be safe than to run the risk of trying something and failing or trying to do something and um, being let down or um, embarrassing yourself or anything like that. I, I, I think there's something like that happening right now. So rather than do that, you just kind of say, I have everything I need, I'm content. I don't think need anything else. And that's kind of like a safe position. Yeah. So, I mean, well, I, I don't know if you know if you've seen that or, or like in, in your walk with people or, or how, how would you even go about like trying to give someone the, the motivation to know that, hey, even if you fail, that's actually progress or that's actually something that's going to make you more alive and more human and you're ultimately going to be more, more joyful yeah, through that process. I mean, like, how has that worked with you? Like, as okay. far as you going out, kind of going outside your comfort zone or trying to explore things and then failing? I mean, okay. what, what does that so, really mean? Well, dealing with others, let's, let's see. If, if somebody really is saying they're happy and they're not acknowledging any dissatisfaction, they're not prepared mm -hmm. to acknowledge that at any level, mm -hmm. I don't think there's a conversation, really. <laughs> you know, that, that either it's true, in which case they don't need it, or more likely they're just, their pride is such they're not prepared to admit it. And I'm not going to, you need that sort of opening where people, someone is acknowledging at some level that they're, they're dissatisfied in some way. Mm -hmm. They may say, I'm not prepared to take the risk, but I am okay, but I know it could be better, but I'm not prepared. But then you've got something to work with. What I would say is that the what I didn't actually describe is the process by which I strive for this dream. I had this dream. Mm -hmm. David actually told me what to do. The thing to do is take one small step at a time. You just take the first step. You don't think about, you don't plan the whole route. You just take one step. And then after you've done that, you just look for the next opening. And it's just something that moves you in that direction. So the first step for me was signing on at the local art school, which I'd been too cynicism to do. I'd wanted to be an artist all my life, but mm -hmm. never bothered to do an art class. I just assumed it wasn't worthwhile. Okay, so <laughs> it got me to take that first step because my reaction was I have to do 80 years of art classes, you know, I've already got a degree, I can't afford to go back to art school full time. He said, it doesn't work like that. You know, you'll meet somebody, but 
before he suggested I did that, he established through this Pascal's wager. And then once that was done, further spiritual exercises, actually, a relationship with God. And he did that because once I had that, that fear was dissipated enough. The answer that is that, that what displaces fear is faith. And once you have that, and, and it can just be an incremental thing. You don't have to have all fear removed before you'll do, do one step. You just sure. gradually reduce the fear and gradually increase the faith and right. the trust. And you just incrementally move in that direction. The more you go, the more you experience that things seem to work out or it's not a disaster if you fail or, you know, the worst case scenario isn't actually that bad. And you start to have more and more confidence in what you're doing. But the first step is actually uh, is a leap of faith to make contact with God. It's get on your knees and ask God to look after me, even though I don't really think I'm not really sure he exists. If you know right, what I mean. right. That was the first leap. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, I didn't have to do that publicly or tell anyone else I was doing it. It was just just between me and him. Yeah, no, that, that's that's so interesting. I mean, it reminds me of a, a line from Dorothy Day where she said that every act of faith increases your faith. You know, yeah. that, and I, I like to talk about like what faith means to you. I mean, that that's one of these words that's thrown around, but yeah. like practically speaking, what does that mean to you to have faith, or or how did you realize that? Hey, I guess I do have faith, or I see how faith really works. I mean, wh- what is faith to you? Well, I would say that it's it's acting as though God exists. Mm-hmm. It, it's it, and like the first, in, in, in the sense that there's like a God who cares and has a plan. A God who cares and okay. Um, but so therefore, I worship God because mm-hmm. that's the way of relating to God. I, you know, in the church that I belong to, so I, I follow the rituals. But in the end, practically, it does mean that there's less fear when things don't go my way. I'm not. Mm-hmm. They don't knock me back. And, I, you know, it doesn't mean that things go my way because I have faith in God. You know, know, I've had lots of setbacks and lots of difficulties as well. It hasn't all Mm -hmm. just been a sailing Mm -hmm. off into the the sunset, you know, happily ever after. But through this, I've realized that there is a consolation that is deeper, that somehow there is this conviction that it's going to be all right. And one point and, and it just grows through all these little mm-hmm. dorothy day steps if you if i can call mm-hmm. it that you know, to use your example um that that and that gradually works its way from the inside out that 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 sense of conviction in your heart that actually this is going to be all right it's not the end of the world even the, the worst thing that can you know i've lost jobs i've had periods where i wasn't earning and i had to sleep on a friend's sofa and this sort of thing you know, various times. And what came of that was that I realized I had a friend who was prepared to offer me a sofa. You know, so the, the, the good comes out of these things. Sure. <laughs> and the more you go through them, the more you worry less about the future. Also, you start to trust that le- leading a good life, a moral life, um, and engaging with others Mm-hmm. openly and generously as best you can you know mm-hmm. I, I still have to work at that it's not my natural instinct is the way to a happy life and at some point it occurred to me that this wasn't just a mental construct you know david's kind of presented act as though he exists do it 
you know, everything's based upon this assumption which we adopt almost arbitrarily. There is a God. We, mm -hmm. we do loving things. We serve others. We pray. We treat him as though. He, so, for example, he told me to say thank you uh, to God right at the beginning for the good things. He said, because God is a person. That's what you do to people who mm -hmm. treat you well. Mm -hmm. Even though I can't see him, I can't hear him, that's what you do. Now, I didn't feel a sense that you know, God, to me, wasn't a person like I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, I behaved as though he was. But what happened at a certain point was that just I just realized that the explanation as to why everything was working out was that it was true that God does exist. Mm -hmm. He does love me mm -hmm. and he does want me to be happy. Mm -hmm. And I and then I started to feel genuinely not just grateful for what I had, but grateful to God. That was when I explained that to David. He was this. That was the name of the guy. Sure. He said, "Oh yeah, that's a spiritual awakening. That's the goal of this." And I believe that that's why the highest expression of worship is Eucharist. It's Thanksgiving. It, it's. Mm -hmm. It's recognizing that all we have, including our very existence, comes from God, and we want to give thanks back to him. Now, that happened to me despite myself. You know, I, I went through the motions because I, I trusted David enough to give it a try. But immediately, incrementally, I started to feel different. And then gradually, the, the conviction that underlying this was a truth. Mm -hmm. uh, that the explanation as to why this worked, because there is a God who loves me and has got my best interests at heart and wants me to be happy and actually makes it, if I cooperate with him, relatively straightforward process to be happy, which is an amazing thing for me. I mean, I complicate everything. Um, <laughs> this, this is the, you know, this, this is the, the, the underlying, you know, the great truth, if you like. This is the pearl of great price. Yeah. Well, I mean, so it's really transformed your understanding of failure. Because I mean, I, I I think it's it's helpful just to kind of reveal to us that, you know, as you kind of said, that there's been a lot of setbacks. I mean, yeah. so just tell us a little bit about the setbacks and the failures and how that increased your faith rather than deter it. Habitually doing these things of mm -hmm. praying, thanking mm -hmm. God. He even told me to thank God for the bad things. He said, through gritted teeth if necessary, because God loves you. He must permit it for a reason. Therefore, <laughs> there is a good even if you can't sit. So put it on your gratitude list and say thank you, even if you don't feel like it. Is. Okay. Wow. okay. Okay. But what he was <laughs> instilling me is, yeah. uh, if you like, habits that, um, should we say, that if you take the action, your heart and mind will follow and all I can say is that when faced with very difficult situation, my response was not to abandon those things, but to, to double down on them. Mm -hmm. I think because they've just, they've just become habitual. Um, and then when I found that I was able to do this, which I didn't imagine I was able to, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know how I'd face you know, genuine torture or something. You know, people face far worse hardships than I ever have to and I'm amazed at how they do it but you know for the life that I've had to live the worst things I've had to face I found that, that, that it sees me through that somehow all I can say is there is a it doesn't take away the problem mm -hmm. it doesn't even take away necessarily the bad feeling you have it's just that there is a consolation that runs 
more deeply than any of those things. And sure. that just, and I just ended up with this, a greater conviction that there is a God. So, and I think maybe this might be the, the last thing to really touch on here in our conversation. Do you feel as if this is all just something happening in your mind? Like, is this something that you just had to convince yourself to, to believe <laughs> and that this whole project of faith is really a mind game? Because I mean, I'm sure a lot of people may think, well, that's really kind of what it is. Yeah. And if that's working for you, fine, but it's still just simply a trick of your mind. How would you respond to something like that? I mean, okay. It, so th th this occurred to me, exactly what you're talking about, that it's the, that's the sort of benign psychiatrist approach, isn't it? This works, you know, it don't, they don't assume God exists. They just say mm -hmm. that if you mm -hmm. have a faith and this is good, and that's great for you, but it's not going to work for somebody else. And the assumption being that he doesn't really exist. It's just a mm -hmm. mental construct. So I remember thinking about this very quickly, very early on, because I was feeling good. Mm -hmm. And then I suddenly sort of had this feeling. I remember the way I put it was to one of David's friends who was doing a similar thing. And I said, I'm just, I'm a bit worried that I'm just deluding myself that mm -hmm. things are better. And he, what he said was, put that on your gratitude list. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I remember I just burst out laughing. In other words, you say, you know, what, you're trying to think yourself into unhappiness here. But yeah. actually, further than that, it just, what I would say is that I believe that if you live a life that's a lie, you can generate emotions fal falsely on a false basis. But if you do that consistently, you end up being insane. That's what the drug addict does. I mean, they mm -hmm. create a feeling of euphoria, but it's mm -hmm. through inducing the chemicals without actually inducing, changing the reality, mm -hmm. which ordinarily would create that same chemical reaction, shall we say, because you're responding to a real situation. Sure. And you, you can't live a life like that for long without becoming insane because it's mm -hmm. not rooted in reality. Mm -hmm. And all I would say is that after 34 years of doing this, it would have collapsed by now if sure. it wasn't rooted in reality. That's what I believe. Well, I, I think that that's, yes. I mean, I, I completely agree with that assessment. That makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I think the thing too that we're kind of glossing over here is that when we talk about things like faith, uh, you know, it's really still ultimately a response from what comes to us from the outside. It's not just simply uh, us inside ourselves kind of creating a reality around us. It, it ultimately is always a response to what is given. I often like to say that faith in God is not really about us believing in something that we just don't see. It's more about responding to a being who has faith in us that you know that our lives have some type of infinite worth which is why we exist in the first place and why we continue to breathe and why our heart continues to beat and and why we're just still able to sustain ourselves here i mean our life is sustained by a being that has faith in us to be here and we respond to that faith through an act of faith in in that mm -hmm. god and I think that the best uh, proof of that is when you look past in your life, you look at back at your life and say, well, I remember when I was there and I just didn't think I was going to maybe get out of that jam or I didn't really understand how that was going to work out. I felt like I was on a corner, like like back in the corner there. 
and somehow we got out of it we, and we've lived to tell the tale so it's almost helpful to think of faith not necessarily about going into the unknown future as much as like seeing this faithful god who's revealed his love mercy compassion throughout our, our whole life and i think that's how i would kind of uh, basically say you have lived your life and and how you've been able to have the same confidence in this process now yes. as a 6 year old man yes it's i was thinking as you were speaking that what strikes me is that pretty much everything we do at some level we're accepting that either god exists or he doesn't hmm. <clears throat> and then hmm. that and that is the response to as you say to what we see sure and sure. then that dictates the actions we take now for some you know that doesn't if i'm hungry and i buy a sandwich you know it's not going to be very different mm -hmm. but it's amazing how that does have an impact on what i do it would choose whether i live well whether i eat well whether all of these things are impacted by that very first response mm -hmm. either i reject god's grace mm -hmm. or i accept it and what david was doing as you say it's a response and what am I doing? I don't feel the impulse of grace coming into me. I'm, I'm discerning this through uh, through the what's happening around me, the way sure. that people deal with me, the, the what I have to face. Right. And and from the pattern of the world around me, constantly I'm asking that question: Is this a sign of God, or isn't it? Right. And it's actually a choice. You can. And initially, I did that. Should we say mechanically? I, I am David's told me I'm going to adopt a system of actions based upon the assumption, the assumption that God exists. But right. through taking those actions, because I started to feel better, because God is good and He knows you've got to start where you are, then it became easier and easier. And the conviction that He does, it just becomes second nature or higher nature or supernature, maybe you call it. That that's how you start to respond. And I guess it's, and I don't think you would, would say this, but it's not even, there's just like these God choices and non-God choices. It seems as almost as a, a non-God choice is a God's way of revealing his love to not do this particular thing. <laughs> like like you can never escape God's yeah. speaking through the good and the bad, through the things that seem to be what we consider to be of God or not of God. Uh, that everything is playing some type of role because if it exists, uh, God's allowing it <laughs> for some. Well, reason, and you know? you know, I can see that so, now because all, you know. all that time where I, first of all, the period before I met David, first of all, I realized I was being looked after. I mean, I ate mm -hmm. every day, I had a bed to sleep in. Most I gave mm -hmm. God no credit for it. I had no interest in say. But nevertheless, I was looked after, and I still at this point, I'd say. That was God helping me. The evidence was there if I chose to look. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but mm -hmm. God helped me to see that by creating the despair, which, yes. should we say, the Perfect. Yeah. enabled me to reach out and trust David. I mean, things have to be pretty bad if you're going to take direction from a 62-year-old guy you've met in a coffee shop. <laughs> <the first time. laughs> well, David, 
uh, people will be very blessed if they meet you in a coffee shop and you <laughs> walking with them somewhere. So I just want to thank you for this time. Thanks for uh, just a lot of things that you've imparted to me over the years that you probably didn't even know you have. Uh, you definitely are, uh, are are continuing David's legacy, if you want to look at it that way. But more importantly, I think that you're just responding so well to your, your artistic vocation, which as we began by saying, we, we all have a vocation yes. to be an artist in a particular way. So uh, thanks just so much for this time. And um, hopefully pleasure. hopefully we can continue the conversation in some way. I would love to, absolute delight. Yeah, very sort of interesting way of approaching this that you have, unique actually, very interesting. Yeah. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed Father John Gribowicz, he will be back as a contributing podcaster. Please share the Sunday to Sunday Witness podcast with your friends. And if you have comments, send them to me, Anne Mary at SundayToSunday.com. As always, this is Anne Mary Mullane coming from Kearney, New Jersey for Sunday to Sunday Productions.